HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Tabard Inn, new American cuisine in one of Washington, D.C.'s oldest hotels, located in DuPont Circle. For more information, visit tabardinn.com. Today's program has been brought to you by Route 11 Potato Chips. Made with a secret recipe and superior ingredients, their mission is to make an outstanding product in a safe and clean environment. For more information, visit www.rt11.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Welcome to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer, and we are coming to you live from Roberta's Restaurant in Bushwick, Brooklyn. It is Wednesday, January 24th, 2018. This is the 165th episode of the series, which is dedicated to behind-the-scenes talents in the hospitality industry. Today, my guest is a highly regarded chef and restaurateur with a long history cooking in New York City, and I will introduce him fully in a moment. First, as I do on every show, I will start out with my PR tip. Later, we will have my speed round game, industry news discussion, solo dining experience, and the final question. As the founder of Bayer Public Relations, I'm going to tip the show off with my PR tip of the week. Today's tip is to form the right partnerships. Seek to work with good people who you can trust. It's important to not only have the same vision of your potential partners, but to know that they are honest people who will have your back and you will have theirs. Before signing the dotted line, seek referrals and do background checks, and always listen to your gut. It will help prevent future disputes or nasty breakups, and instead lead to long-term prosperous relationships. So partner with the right partners. That's my tip today. Now, I'm thrilled to have my guest here in the studio, someone I've known for a while through the industry. It is John DeLucy. He is the current owner of two New York City restaurants, Empire Diner, a classic diner, which he took over and revamped last April, and Bedford & Co. in the Renwick Hotel. 
John is the founding chef and partner of the Waverly Inn, as well as the Lion, Crown, and Bill's Food and Drink. After working a desk job for 20 years, John attended culinary school and started a career as a chef. Now, 20 years in the restaurant business, he has continued his passion to revive iconic New York City spaces with delicious food. So welcome, John. Whoa, that's quite an introduction. Well, I go for it. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had your advice, though. Your, your PR tip is, uh, rings very true in every business. Yeah, well, yeah. thanks. I, I think it does. I yeah. think, I mean... I don't know. I'm a I'm like a, a solo solopreneur, I guess you'd say. Yeah, I don't have good. partners, but I think finding the right partners is is um, you know it, it's it's hard. But I think people who do it, you know, um, can you can find great partnership relationships that you know make you thrive. So yes, yeah, it can be it can be good. Yeah, it can be bad. It can be good and bad. Mm. But anyways, let's get into let's get into how you became a chef because. As I read in the bio, yes. you had a desk job and you left a, a more corporate career. Right. Well, I was at NYU studying a lot of things. And uh, I was also playing music. And I played guitar. And I played guitar all my whole life, actually, in, as a kid in high school and then in college. And I was playing gigs around New York. Um, and, you know, I, music was always my first sort of love, right? So... Um, so out of college playing music and, and had a desk job, I had a many different kinds of jobs to sort of support myself. And, but I always sort of, uh, tinkered in, in my young years with cooking. I was, you know, I lived in, in, um, my brother and I lived together in a brownstone, um, while, while he was at NYU, he was at SVA, I was at NYU and we would cook for each other and, um, or I would, I would do the cooking and my aunt lived upstairs and we would. We would go to her house one night to eat, and my other aunt was around the corner. Um, so, you know, there was a lot of family meals um, that uh, were had. And so I started to sort of copy, you know, the, the food that my mother made when we were growing up because we had to survive and we had to eat, you know, when my, when my aunts weren't around to cook for us. Right. And I so, sort of started to, you know, experiment and buy cookbooks and read, you know, and read the New York Times on, on those days. And it was on Wednesday, right? And so... Um, you know, when, and I got sort of very, very into it. I got like, like everything else in my life, I, I become obsessive and, um, you know, I became really obsessed with cooking. And so when the music sort of wasn't really working out and I found myself, you know, oh, this is really not, this is not fun being broke all the time. <laughs> um, I, I thought, well, let me just, and, and, and it wasn't really fun getting up and having to shave and wear a suit either. So I thought, well, maybe I could, you know, maybe I could be, I could get a job, you know, in, in a restaurant. Because I, I, after all, I am, a, I, I do cook a lot. And so I didn't really, I didn't realize at the time that really the, the two things were not really, you know, they were actually mutually exclusive, right? Cooking at home and cooking in a restaurant is really has nothing to do with each other. Right. But, <clears throat> but skills that, yeah, that, skills that helped. Yeah. yeah. So I took a class at the new school. Um, a couple of months, I think it was, and I met a uh, really caring, uh, talented teacher, and who um, and whose name escapes me right now, which is really embarrassing, but and unfortunate because she was terrific. And you know, I had, you know, my whole life to that point was a lot of sort of. Um, you know, sort of messing around. Like I, you know, I never really took anything too seriously. You know, I never really practiced 
the guitar like I should have. I never really took, I, I never really sort of, you know, I, I was sort of scratching the surface of a lot of different things. Having just, you know, my goal was just to have, have you know, a fun time. You know, and my schoolwork was okay. I mean, I, I was, you know, I was a pretty bright kid and, 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 you know, didn't work that hard and had pretty good grades. You know, so, uh, which was, ended up being, you know, <laughs> it really hurts you in the end. But anyway, I, um, so I, I enrolled in this class and Karen, the teacher, sort of pulled me aside one day and said to me, you know, you, you can't just, you know, I see that in your life you get what you want yeah. just because you're so charming and cute. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's not really going to happen here. <laughs> and she made it very clear that that wasn't really, uh, you know, in the cards for me in that, in that class. And she really held me accountable and she really was tough on me. And at the end of the class, she introduced me to her then, to her then husband, who was a chef at a restaurant on 60th and 3rd. And he basically hired me on the spot. And that was uh, in 1990. <laughs> wow, okay. So it was a long time ago. So that was, um, you know, I sort of knew that this, this cooking thing was kind of for me. Yeah, you know? well, I mean, my unfortunately my memory is horrible, but I read your book, yes, The Hunger. The Hunger. It came out, what, in 2000. Like eight uh, 12, or 12, I think 12, but it was, 12, yeah, yeah, okay. Well, not that long ago, not that long ago, but it was, it was, and, and going through, I mean, maybe for, refresh my memory then mm -hmm. through your because you worked in a lot of New York City establish, yes. establishments, and then there were people that came across along the way, like Missy Robbins, right? Yes, yes. That you worked with, and yeah, yeah, it was, it was a fun read because all of a sudden it was putting people I knew in the industry <laughs> right, together right. along your career path. Yes, Missy was my sous chef at the at the Soho Grand. Amanda Freitag was my sous chef yeah. at the the the, um, the um, Tribeca Grand. I, I had the just the absolute you know good fortune uh, to work with just some of the most talented people. Uh, you know, absolutely, Missy and Na and Amanda being two of them. So uh, yeah, I, I, again, I had I had. Uh, I had a lot of good luck in in the restaurant business. So once you had once you started the job on 60th Street, and then mm -hmm. you were were you committed? This is it. I want to be a chef. I'm gonna go on my path and and stick with this because I mean you have. Yeah. No. I mean, I was really just I was really just happy to not be going to work in a suit in the morning, um, <laughs> and and that whatever was going to come of this new venture. Mm -hmm. I wasn't really thinking about it too much. I was thinking about sort of just uh, just getting to work the next day and and sort of you know learning as much as I could. And I would go in very early, and I would learn how you know to to uh, to butcher chickens. And then I would stay late to make the pizza dough. And then the next day I would work with the butcher and learn how to you know to to break down fish. So I mean I was really again I became obsessed with the business of of restaurants, and I just really worked you know night and day. You know, and and try to sort of learn as much as I possibly could because I was coming to the business, you know, kind of late. I was almost thirty years old at that point. I was, you know, ten years older than than, than everyone else, you know, than every other cook that that I was working with. So, um, so it was important for me to sort of make up that time quickly. Yeah. So how? I mean, what what? restaurants that you worked at would you say like I'm not defined your career or just mm. kind of pushed you along being from someone who was just took a few cooking classes to where you've gotten to today where you're yeah. a restaurateur and owner and you've had some some very huge restaurants very you know notable places yeah. that you've worked with 
Well, I worked with people like, you know, David Walzog at Arizona 206. You know, we've got three stars in New York Times. I worked with this guy, Rick Lackanen, at a place called Lux, also three, to- three stars in New York Times. I worked with Rick Moonen at Oceana. I mean, I, I, again, mm-hmm. I just, you know, mm-hmm. and I tried to be a sponge and I tried to learn as much as I could. Ultimately, you know, the fine dining thing wasn't really for me. I didn't really enjoy it that much. You know, I wanted I wanted a little bit more of a loose, a more fun, a looser environment. And so that's when I sort of, you know, I worked at the, the Soho Grand, the Tribeca Grand, and, and you know, the, and then I find myself, you know, in the middle of these sort of celebrity, if for lack of a better word, sort of celebrity sceny places, which I really liked. <laughs> yeah, but how does that happen? I mean, how did and how did the the Waverly Inn come about? Uh, well, I was a chef at uh, a restaurant called La Bottega, which is in the Maritime Hotel, which is La Serena yeah, now. Yeah, I yeah, remember. And, yeah, and I was simply having the time of my life. I was a young guy in a, in a, in a you know in a huge hotel with a lot of young people working there, and we were just you know we were partying and having fun and. Um, and so my, so my bosses at the, at the Maritime were, were Eric Good and, and Sean McPherson, who were just, you know, again, two super talented, you know, visionary kind of guys. And they were designers and they were restaurateurs. And Sean had a bunch of places in L.A. And he had a very sort of California, uh, decidedly California uh, style, which I, which I loved, you mm-hmm. know. And uh, Eric, Eric also. And so... Um, I was there and at La Bottega for about four years, I guess. And then um, I went out and found, actually I left La Bottega and went out to uh, LA and worked for Sean at a bunch of his LA restaurants. Oh, I don't, I don't remember that. Yes. And so then when I came back, um, I, uh, a friend of mine, actually a customer of mine, a friend of mine said, you know, the, the, this way really in is for rent. You should really go go and check it out. And I was like, well, this is, you know, I met the landlord and I brought Sean McPherson into the, you know, into the mix and Sean um, brought Graydon Carter into it because Graydon lived two, two doors down from the Waverly. And so we all had a meeting and we all decided we, we would open the Waverly Inn. And it became, I mean, it was an instant, I think, from my perspective, hot spot, like the yeah. hardest reservation to get in. Right. Which, which you know, which in retrospect was really all about Graydon because Graydon was, the, you know, is and what well, was the editor-in-chief of Vanity Fair. So anyone on the cover of Vanity Fair was having dinner at uh, at the Waverly Inn. So it was pretty, it was really quite cool. It and, was. And, and amazing. Yeah. And I was, a, you know, I was a partner there. And so it was just an amazing sort of, uh, you know, situation where there was lightning in a bottle. You know, and it was just nothing like it before in New York in many, many years. There'll probably be nothing like it again. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then, well, maybe we'll take a break now and we'll talk a bit. We'll get into the other projects you were involved with, mm-hmm. the Lion, and, and what yep. you're doing now with the Empire Diner and all these very iconic restaurants and and that have a, like, they make statements in New York, I yes. believe. So We hope. <laughs> I think so. So let's uh, take a little break and uh, stay with us. We'll be right back. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. The following program has been brought to you by Tabard Inn. Tabard Inn, Washington, D.C.'s quintessential small hotel, is located on a quiet, tree-lined street just five blocks from the White House. Vibrant yet unassuming, the Tabard is comprised of 40 sleeping rooms, each unique in character and design. 
feast on eclectic American cuisine in their acclaimed restaurant or enjoy a cocktail and listen to live jazz in one of their cozy Victorian seating areas. Mingle with travelers from around the world who find the Tabard the only place to stay when taking their travels to Washington. For more information, visit tabardin.com. And we're back. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. <laughs> I'm Sherry Bayer. My guest today is John DeLucy. He's the chef and owner of Empire Diner and Bedford & Co. in New York City. And he's formerly, we were talking about the Waverly Inn, the Lion, the Crown, and Bills. I mean, this is only a 45-minute <laughs> show. I don't yeah. know how much we can jump into all that. But those <laughs> exactly. are, I mean... Uh, maybe I mean if you want to touch on on uh, any comments on working in those restaurants, which are, are all yeah. I mean I had fantastic experiences at all of them. Great, yeah. I mean, great fun. Lion was absolutely great fun. Lion came right after the Waverly Inn, and um, an iconic space. Very on, cool. Space. Yeah, on on, uh, on Ninth Street, and um, I could you know I could just tell it just uh, again it, it came together and it was. Uh, it was a very sceny hotspot with really terrific food. I thought um, the many critics will, you know, will disagree with that. <laughs> but uh, I always but I had, you know, news. again, I had. Uh, it was a super fun place, and uh, you know, that's really for me that what that's what it's all about. People coming, sitting down, sharing a meal, sharing drink, and having just a fantastic time. Yeah. And that's what it should be about. That's what it's you know. That's what that's my goal. How would you how would you define your your cooking or now or did it change over the years? Or is there a, a style you think you brought through all of these restaurants? Yeah, I mean, you know, my cooking is a uh, is is populist. You know, I you know, I I really sort of listen to the guest and the consumer and 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 see what the trend is and see what people are eating and try to deliver on you know a, a promise of of comfort and um you know again it's it's a fun thing i don't it's not a challenging it's i'm not you know i'm not doing any in hot cuisine i'm not doing anything that's you know any out there i'm just trying to do you know use the best ingredients and creating food that's that's accessible and simple and delicious and that's i know it's it's i'm oversimplifying it a little bit, maybe I'm not. I don't know, but that's that's been the goal always. Yeah. Well, now, so Bedford and Co. is at the Renwick Hotel. Yeah. And that's. Are you servicing the entire hotel? Breakfast, yeah. lunch, dinner. Breakfast, yes. Thing? Full, full three meal, three meal periods. Uh, room service. Uh, we have a wood burning grill, which is just fantastic, and um, and it's Amer- it's American, but it's you know it's also um, the, the the chef de cuisine there is Justin. Newbick and he's just a young guy that's you know that we collaborate on a lot of stuff and you know this is to me it's always been a very young business and I love bringing young people into it and sort of sharing ideas and co- collaborating and he's just one of these guys that's just uh, really bright and really creative and and a joy to work with. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, yeah, he's been with me now for about seven years. Oh, that's great. And what about? Empire Diner. So when, how did that, I mean, how, how did, how did you end up running, <laughs> running the, the ship over there? Because so, it, yeah. yes, let me figure this out. So, um, my partner in Lion, Mark, uh, owned the last iteration of the Empire Diner. And, uh, 
was was selling it, and and they actually ended up selling it to his partner in cafeteria, Stacy. And I get a call from Stacy, and who I'd known for again for you know for twenty years, mm-hmm. um, and said, "Hey, this is this is right up your alley. Why don't you you know why don't you do this with us?" And I said, "Well, I don't I don't know." <laughs> and she said, "You know, come on, let's let's talk." So we talked about it, and we figured it out, and. And so I'm, yes, and we did a deal. We did a deal. So how, I mean, it's an iconic diner. It's been yes. around uh, since, the, since 40s. the 40s. And yeah. then and then a few years ago, it was Amanda Freitag was, was, was cooking. Yes. Um, I went the other night, just so you, you know. You did? I did. How was it? It was great. Oh, good. I, I popped in by myself, sat at the bar. I had... Oh, I went to see what you were doing. Right. <laughs> so I had... Um, you let me know next time. <laughs> well, I figured it was a Sunday night and I asked yes. for you, but okay. I was sort of... Yeah. I, I, didn't, I just wanted to check it out. And okay. I had the crispy artichokes, which yep. were fantastic, okay. and a beef tartare. And I, I, they oh, were... that's my favorite dish. They went really well together, yeah. actually. Oh, good. Um, yeah, I just figured I'd pop in and see what was happening. I mean, the space, the staff, everything. It's a really, it's a really great restaurant. It's a really, it's a, a cool, cool space on, yeah. in a very cool neighborhood on a great corner. You know, it's all got a lot of things in its favor over there. Uh, the neighborhood is really emerging. There's lots of new buildings, lots of, uh, lots of, uh, you know, affluent people and who, who like to eat out. And you always like to have a restaurant in a neighborhood like that. <laughs> right. And I heard overheard someone near me commenting about how it was happy with all the, the Christmas lights or the, the yes. white Christmas lights. It right. just has a good, it's glowing when yeah. you walk up to the, the diner. Well, it's got a lot of history. It's a lot of, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's got a lot. I mean, I was there, uh, just to, to give away my age, but I was there you know, in college. And I remember going out to Area one night. And um, we, after Area, we'd go to there and, and order, you know, some... You know, some crazy thing that they had. On, uh, think of it, but anyway. So at you know, in in the place you know uh, where Deborah Harry, you know um, um, Lou Reed, uh, and uh, what's his name, uh, the the New York Dolls guy, Joe Johansson. Well, you know, they're all hanging out there, and it, so like it was, you know, it was it was a very cool happening spot. You know, even even back then. Uh, when when that area when you know when Tenth Avenue and Twenty Sixth was not the place to sort of be walking around, right? You know. Well, what's the challenge of taking over uh, such a classic diner? It's been around, and people's expectations. And I mean, is that is it hard to do a menu? It is. It is because everybody has their their memory uh-huh. of hey, oh, you know, even though this, this is an issue with the Waverly also is oh, are you going to have those biscuits? Are you going to have the you know. Well, maybe I don't know. I mean, it's not really the wasn't the plan, you know. But right. maybe we should now, you know. But everybody has a memory of of what they ate at the diner when they were, you know, when they were twenty, and uh, that isn't necessarily part of the plan, you know. So they're disappointed, and um, so you try to just, you know, you know, do a menu where there it's familiar enough, and there's stuff, you know, um, where you can, you know, have a again. There's a lot of kids now. There wasn't a lot of kids there going there in, 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 you know, in those days. So now you know, we make sure we have you know, kids' menu. We make sure we have um, a, little, you know, a little something for everyone. I wasn't sure if you really meant kids' kids or you meant like 20-year-old kids. But no, you I meant, meant kids children, kids. yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I picked no, that there up. Are, there are the other kind of kids that are there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, both. Yeah. So let, let me ask you the 
my question from my last guest. So on episode 164, I had on Eric Asimov, the wine critic of the New York Times. Fancy. Very fancy. Mm. It's great. Go check out go check out episode 164. Yeah. Okay, so he wants to know, as the owner of Empire Diner, what's happened to New York's dining diner culture? Mm. Um, he said, you don't see that many diners and lunch counters anymore. Is it a real estate issue or a changing taste issue? Um, and he, we reminisced a little bit about some old school diners. Yeah, I don't think it's a, uh, I don't I don't think it's a changing tastes issue. I think that people are gonna always gonna want to eat eggs all day long. I think there's always gonna be a segment of the population that has breakfast at four o'clock in the afternoon. But I think it's more and more difficult to be able to sustain that as a business. You know, uh, it's it's you know rent is out of control, mm-hmm. labor you know, is out of control. Minimum wage is out of control. So, you know, it becomes more and more difficult to operate, you know, on a, on a, on a all day menu when, you know, when you're, when your average cost or average check is very, very low. And that's, and that's just not going to, you just, it's not sustainable any longer. I think it's, you know, people love diners. People want yeah. To be able to go to diners, it just, it just no one can afford to, to have them anymore. Yeah, well, there's there's your answer, Eric. <laughs> so before we take one more break here, let me ask you what's like what's next? Like, are you are you good right now with running these two places? Are you seeking new opportunities or? Should want to answer now, or should we have a break? I wouldn't answer now, <laughs> unless you need I mean, a break. About, uh, or or you, we could we could we could just stay tuned, you know, yeah. to no, see what's I mean, next. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm about to be a father. You are. Which, yes, That's amazing. For the first time at my ripe old age. Uh, yeah, no, it's it's it, which is you know all consuming, and so you know I think a lot more about that than I do about you know roast chicken right now, but. Um, but I'm always, you know, pursuing and looking and meeting and talking to people about new things and new opportunities. And, you know, I love, I love the, I love with what's happening with fast casual. How, you know, uh, how market has just opened. Uh, um, pasta oh, flyer. pasta flyer, yeah, which think, got a, a a nice review. Yeah. I mean, it was in the Times today. And he's he is just a brilliant chef, and, and yeah. you know, it's. It's so cool that 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 kind of thing is happening. So you know, who knows? Who knows what what the future will bring? But I'm I'm very optimistic. Okay, stay tuned. Yeah. And now we're gonna take another break, and then we're gonna come back and we're gonna play my speed round game. Uh-oh. And talk some industry news. Okay. This is all in the industry on Heritage Radio Network. The following program has been brought to you by Route Eleven Potato Chips. From the moment Root 11 Potato Chips dropped their first batch of chips back in the early days of 1992, they understood their destiny as a high-quality producer. Instead of succumbing to the frenzy of mass production, they took advantage of their small size and made chipping a personal art form. The payoff was immediate. An incredible potato chip. With a secret recipe and superior ingredients, their mission is to make an outstanding product in a safe and clean environment. In this world of uncertainty that we live in, Route 11 Potato Chips believes comfort food should be just that. Know where your food comes from. For more information, visit rt11.com. And we're back. This is Only Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guest today is John DeLucy. It's time for my speed round game. 
what this is is I name a couple of things and you pick your preference, such as chocolate or vanilla. Okay. Okay. Chocolate. Me oh, too. Not really chocolate. Okay. That was the that was the example, but okay. now I know you're a chocolate gotcha. guy. Yes. Okay. How about eat in or eat out? Eat out. Wine, beer, cocktail, or mocktail? Wine. Tasting menu or a la carte? A la carte. Small plates or large plates? Large plates. Communal table or chef's counter? Chef's counter. Tipping or all-inclusive charge? Tipping. Truffle mac and cheese or mac and cheese with breadcrumbs? Both. (laughs) I like it. (laughs) Very fair. (laughs) Cooking for celebrities or or food critics? Celebrities. (laughs) Two more. Cheese plate or dessert? Oh, uh, oh, um, it depends. Can I have a depends? You can. You've you've been so speedy yeah. and fast at this. Yes. You can have a depends. 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 Depends on what? Depends on what I ate for dinner. Sometimes, Very interesting. If I, you know, sometimes I want sweet. Sometimes cheese just works. I think that's the first time someone's given that rendition of on that, and mm. I I think it's I'm surprised because yeah. I think it's a great answer. Yeah, I love cheese. Okay, two one more. Yep. Manhattan or Brooklyn? Ooh. See, that's tough because I'm from Brooklyn and I've lived in Manhattan since college. So I'm really torn about that. Would you move back to Brooklyn? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, sure. I mean, I might live that's in like I, an extra. I live in the West Village. I yeah. live in a very cool, nice place. Um, but so but Brooklyn is uh, Brooklyn's coming on, man. I mean, mm-hmm. it's coming on. It's gone. It's gone. It's done. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. I Great. love Brooklyn. Okay, so we'll leave that one as a tie too. All right. That was great. That great. was the game. Yep. Okay, so industry news. Big news happened. Sad big news. Mm. But two sad stories I have today. Totally different. First is on Saturday, uh, Paul Bacuse passed away, mm. and he was 91. 91, though. He was 91. Actually, 91. I was reading the article, and his birthday was coming up in February, yeah. so he was almost 92. 91. Um, and he had a wife and a mistress. I think he. I, I think a, he had two mistresses. Yeah, two mistresses. Yeah. I, I think he's good. I think, <laughs> I think he died a happy man. I, I don't. I think. I think he's all right. I think so. Yeah. I think. I mean, the article I picked out. There are many, but it was in the New York Times. Mm-hmm. William Grimes uh, wrote an, a lovely piece. Lots of details about the mistresses yes. and everything in there. Um, I mean, he was. You know, every every my entire Instagram. Facebook feed turned into Paul Bacuse on yes. Saturday because mm-hmm. he was a legend and oh. he affected the whole industry and so many chefs and so many people, um, you know, for, oh. and, and, and he was apparently, was, I mean, a lot of this, he was a big self promoter and how he got his name out there with what he was doing over the years and uh, yes, establishing and he, uh, the Bacuse d'Or. And he was very controversial and he, and, and, you know, he was, I mean, he was a you know he was a good guy he was a cool guy and and talented and could back it up and was opinionated mm-hmm. and um, I think uh, yeah I think it's uh, he's someone to really uh, hold high in high esteem yeah in I, our business I agree yeah. I I went to his restaurant in Lyon yes as, as did I when were you there about I was there in I'll tell you <laughs> it was there in uh, nineteen ninety. Okay. I was there. It was 
six years ago, and I just I was I had been on a trip with my meeting my family in Paris for my father's birthday, mm. and. I went to Lyon by myself for two days to go check out Paul Bocuse's restaurant right. in the in the town, which was lovely. And he, I had such a great experience. He came, I mean, he walked around the dining room. He said hi to, to everyone, including me. He sat across the way with his friends. It was special. So, mm. but yeah, ni- you said 1990? Mm, quite okay. a long time ago. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And uh, I, I, have, I have a limited memory of it because I was rather naive about food in those days because uh-huh. I just had just sort of started. But um, I remember going to Lyon and uh, and seeking it out because it's, it was one of the things I was reading about then. And some some of the you know the people that we should you know, that we should he was one of the people that we should know and and sort of uh, know about. So I went to the restaurant and had, had lunch actually, and. Uh, it was. It was. I was. From what I remember, it was. It was. It was lovely. It was, you know, a lovely experience. And uh, yeah. yeah. Wow. Mm. Yeah. That. That's. It's also a long time ago. It is, mm. but but yeah. Whatever you remember, you 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 know, yeah. you took with you and yeah. and um, yeah. I mean, I, you know, he yeah. He had a a great life. He's 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 left his mark. Yes, so, for sure. Um, but you know, it's sad. It's sad still. So. Um, the other sad news, which is completely, completely different on the spectrum, is that uh, an article I have in the New York Times about how Sever magazine has laid off six people, including its editor-in-chief, Adam Sachs. Mm-hmm. And who I know very well. Who I know, too. Mm-hmm. Came on my show sometime, I think, last year. Um, and they laid off a lot of, you know, very talented people who've, who've worked at the magazine. The staff is apparently down to six people um, and this is this is I never know how to pronounce it. Is it Bonnier or Bonaire Corporation, the parent company? Bonnier? Oh, yeah, Bonaire. Oh. I don't know. They there were there were layoffs with other other public of their publications. Bonnier. 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 All right. Bonnier. <laughs> bon, bon Bon. I, okay. <laughs> I think people will be able to figure out yes. what we're talking about. So that company. <laughs> yes. Um, well, I think it comes. I mean, the publishing industry it's it's struggling. And well, I, you know, magazines are a lot like restaurants. You know, it becomes very very difficult with costs being what they are and readership being what it is. And you know, you've got to pay an editor like you got to pay a chef, and you have to pay writers like you have to pay cooks. And their labor gets to be very, very expensive. And the advertising dollars are just not there like they used to be. No one's advertising in print when they could advertise, you know, on Google or, or, you know, in social media. And there's so many other ways, you know, to get – there's so many other, Mm -hmm. you know, avenues of advertising. And it it just doesn't go to the magazines anymore. And it's very, very sad because, you know, we love these glossy magazines. We love the reporting and and, – they were doing a, they were doing something special, you know, Savor. Yeah, I agree, mm. and I think I don't know. I think people. I mean, I still want to pick up a, a great magazine with great content and yeah. get the physical magazine. Um, everything has gone towards digital, yep. and you know, well, I mean, these. I'm. We'll see what I'm sure Adam and and the rest of the staff will will find their way, mm-hmm. and uh, oh, we hope, and, yeah, yeah. I mean, the talented um, people do find their way. Yeah. yeah, and it's just, I mean, the issue, the Ted Silver is going down to um, four issues a year from six, 
And there was something in there, too, just saying how the, someone had said how the staff, they've been slowly cutting the staff. This wasn't just all of a sudden a drastic thing, but apparently a few years ago it was a staff of 20 and it's dwindled down. So I think they knew, but I don't know. I'm hoping for the best. I mean, the, we don't, I don't want food publications or any publications just to completely disappear. Yes. No, that's a sad thing. It is. And it, again, especially when the ones that are, some, one like that, which is which again was really focused on quality mm-hmm. and ingredients and and creativity. Yes, I agree. Okay, we're gonna take one more break. Come back. I'm gonna do my solo dining experience, and we'll have the final question. This is all in the industry and Heritage Radio Network. Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. It's time for my solo dining experience. This week, it's at Shoji at 69 Leonard Street. Here's the rundown. The location, 69 Leonard Street, Tribeca, New York. The concept, seasonal capo-style kaseki and edomame sushi menu by a Tokyo and Kyoto-trained chef. Who's the chef? Derek Wilson and the owner, Idan Elkan. So why did I go? Because I was craving a top omakase experience and ready to splurge. My experience. So I made a reservation for one for an 8.30 p.m. reservation. I was warmly greeted by Adon and well taken care of the entire meal. I was seated sort of in the middle of the sushi counter near the chef. And uh, I was, you know, it was always fun watching the chef at work. Kaseki dishes and dessert came from the back kitchen and the sushi was prepared right in front of me. So what did I get? Okay, so the set menu started with about four or five composed kaseki dishes, including beautiful scallops, raw and cooked fish, uh, a rare hairy crab, and octopus. Uh, there were two soups, and Chef Wilson's meticulous sushi uh, came after, and then there were two desserts. I also had some lovely teas, including a matcha. My take, 
It was absolutely wonderful from start to finish. My favorites were the crab and the toro and otoro sushi. The ambiance. So it's an intimate, modern, and simplistic 12-seat sushi counter. It's perfect for sushi lovers and solo diners. Interesting tidbit. Adan initially opened the space with Chef Ichimura, but they had a bad split, apparently, after six months. And he brought on Chef Wilson... And um, this is Chef Wilson's first New York City restaurant experience because he had been training in Japan for a decade. And Chef Wilson is the first and only West Westerner to complete a full seven-year apprenticeship at a traditional Japanese kaseki restaurant, three-star Michelin Kiku no, no you, if I'm saying that right, in Kyoto. Personal fun fact. So this is kind of silly, but... Several weeks ago, I was going to Tetsu by myself, and it was a freezing night, and I accidentally walked into Shoji, which is across the street, looking for Tetsu, and that is when I met Idan, and we chatted a few minutes and realized that we knew each other through social media, and I told him I'd be back, and so I was, this time at the right place. The cost of this meal was $274, and that is including everything, including the tax and gratuity, and the teas were comped. Would I go back? Yes, when I'm feeling wealthy. <laughs> the website is 69leonardstreet.com. There you have it. What do you think? Omakase? Sure. <laughs> so when someone else is paying? Yes. <laughs> Definitely when someone else is paying, although I'm usually paying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, this this is a pricey one, yeah. but it was it was special, and I appreciated it, so. Yeah. Okay, so it's time for the final question. So next week, my guest is Jim Leahy. He's I love Jim Leahy. I love Jim Leahy, yeah. too. Yeah. And he's a current client of mine, is full he? disclosure, yes. I have all his books. I cook all his breads. I'm going to leave you photos. Show him. See how I'm doing. Okay, yeah. I I made his I made no need bread for the first time a few weeks ago. Works. It works. Mm. I, I I figured I should try it out yep. if I'm working with this guy. No, it's 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 a bro. It's he's brilliant. a genius. He's yeah. a genius. Absolutely. Yeah, I Co agree. Is, actually, his place Co is in my neighborhood, and right by the diner. And I go. Oh, it is. I go yeah, all the, I go all the time. Yeah, so so for people listening, Jim Leahy has Sullivan Street Bakery. There's two in New York. Actually, the one in Hell's Kitchen is currently under construction, but there's a pop-up across the street. He opened a wholesale space down in Miami, which will be, be retail at one point. And he has Co, or company restaurant, which is you know, he has his pizza, and mm -hmm. it's all wood-fired wood, wood fired yep. dishes. Okay, uh, so uh, yeah, there's Jim's background, and you know Jim, and love Jim, and I don't know Jim. Like? I don't. I don't know Jim. You don't know Jim. I mean, I think I've met Jim once. You're gonna have to meet him. I'll meet him. Yeah, because I do like his product very much. I always figure after after all these years, you know, the chefs, you guys meet each other, know yeah, each other. Yeah, but but not really because we're working all the time, right? You know, so that's true. Yeah, I guess the events help with the that events, if yeah. you have time to mm -hmm. schmooze a little. Right. Okay, so what would you like to ask Jim? Um, it could be anything. I, I know everything about Jim from his books, I think. <laughs> but I would love to have coffee with Jim. So that's the question. Yeah. Jim, would you like to have coffee that's a, with that's me? That's the question, yes. <laughs> okay, I think I know what the answer is. Okay, good. I hope, I, yeah. Um, <laughs> you might know, you may not know. <laughs> I might know. My guess, I think I'm going to be right with what I'm thinking the answer good. is. Mm. But, well, people, you'll have to stay tuned. I'll have to just stay tuned. Okay, yeah. all right. And that's the show. Fantastic. <laughs> Thank you so much. Good, it's nice to be in Brooklyn. Yeah, it is. Mm. And um, 
You know, you're you're an impressive, impressive guy, and I really, feel, yeah, you are, and I feel <laughs> no over the well, years. Nice. I've known you. I've known you from events and from going to your restaurants, yes. and I've enjoyed your cooking and everything you've done. And I I wish you much continued success. That's very nice. Thank you very much. You're welcome. No, I mean it. I yes. mean it. And and congratulations again on on your baby. That's exciting. It is. <laughs> it's. <laughs> terrifying <laughs> well yeah well i don't know i think it's exciting you have a lot going on so yes. thank you yes. and um people should go check out your restaurants now uh so i've been talking to john delucy he's the chef and owner of empire diner and bedford and co they're in new york city and their websites are empire-diner.com and bedfordandco.com and john's website is johndelucy.com you can also follow him on social media at Chef Don DeLucy. Did I get all that right? Got it. Okay, good. You can follow me at Sherry Bayer, at Bayer PR, at All Industry. My Facebook page is All in the Industry. Website's BayerPublicRelations.com, SherryBayer.com. And all of our shows are archived at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We are also on iTunes and Stitcher, so you can listen at any time. Thanks to John. Thanks to Anna. And thanks, thanks to Vitor, my engineer, who does a fabulous job every He's week for me. He's killing it in there. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Vitor. I'm Sherry Bayer. I'll be back next Wednesday with another live show. I hope you'll tune in then. And thank you for being part of All in the Industry. Bye. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.